Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's a Smoking Pope song called Off My Mind by the Alkaline Trio. I uh, personally think that they should have done an edit for this song because we'll get to it. Uh, Smoking Plopes had a song in Clueless, the hit teen mm-hmm. comedy. They should have done a version of this where it was just Babe for the movie Babe. Dude, funny you should mention the movie Babe. Watched it the other night with my baby. And I would hang out with her all the time if I didn't have to work. Um, Babe is a perfect movie. Just saying it now. Saying it now. I wouldn't change a second of the movie Babe. And Babe 2 Pig in the City. Pretty damn good sequel. And pretty weird. Uh Totally weird. Kind of a strange sequel, but you know what? I agree. I stand by the Babe films, and, uh, and, and nothing bad to say about them. So this has been As You Were, a podcast about the the Babe franchise. Um, we appreciate you for joining us. Uh, David, that'll do. That'll do. That'll do, pig. Faked them um, out, baby. It is, as you were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song, and this week we're talking about a cover song. The band did some of those. We've had to talk about them. Now, cover songs is a really cool thing where, you know, a lot of songs that people play, they they wrote them. But sometimes you play a song that somebody else wrote. And in this case... This was a composition of uh, three brothers. This is already starting like a like a trilogy of its own. Mm-hmm. Three brothers and one guy who uh, also played drums in the Alkaline Trio. Small what? world. We, of course, are talking about the Smoking Popes, and we're talking about the song Off My Mind, which the Alkaline Trio covered on a split with the Smoking Popes. And that split, um, as we talked about when we talked about their Halloween cover, uh, much like when they gave away those Halloween 7 Inches for free to people who attended the show at the Metro, same premise, but I believe this was 2012, 2011, mm-hmm. um, maybe earlier, memory is faulty, uh, when they played a New Year's Eve show at the Metro, Alkaline Trio headlined, Smoking Popes as support, Dan went out and sang Off My Mind with the Smoking Popes. Alkaline Trio that night played, fittingly, all of From Here to Infirmary, unannounced, live at the show, uh, but not with the drummer who played on that record, and the Smoking Popes at the time were also not playing with the drummer who recorded Off My Mind. So, you know, little bit of, little bit of fun detail there. I didn't know that. That's so fucking funny. Poor Mike. Um <laughs> Anyway, we've on the Patreon talked about the Smoking Popes a bit because I think it's kind of impossible not to, uh, especially in the scope of 
I don't know, melodic Chicago punk of the 90s. Like, they were kind of a tentpole, to be real. I mean, they were mm-hmm. a band that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like, played with Jawbreaker back in the day, were really yeah. kind of at the forefront, a lot of the, like, emerging Elgin show scene, Chicago DIY show scene, Ron Yohan's face, put out the first Alkaline Trio 7. Like, they were around, but they also got, popular um i got kind of famous yeah i don't want to say surprisingly because i think that early stuff like is is genuinely very good Mm -hmm. um and it's at a time when bands like that could get signed but it is weird to think because like i guess the only two bands that took the johan's face to major label pipeline were the smoking popes and alkaline trio uh not really (laughs) a fertile community for that right and also a very different path to success this the pope signed with capitol records and like you mentioned they had a song on the clueless soundtrack which was a big fucking deal that movie was huge mm-hmm. um also holds up um and and need you around plays at the end of that movie and then they followed that up with a tour with Morrissey, mm-hmm. who Morrissey called them his favorite band uh, at a time when that was not like a kiss of death designation. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that helped. Totally. They never really like got, I guess, over the the hump. They never really broke. They only made two records on Capitol and then they broke up. Well, um, one record was just essentially re-released because Born to Quit was on Johan's face, and then Capital basically bought it from them. Um, you know, I never knew that. Yeah, so I I only know that because as a kid, when I was getting into them, I found like the original copy of Born to Quit, um, mm-hmm. which honestly is probably my favorite Smoking Pope's album. If I yeah. if the chips are down, I think it's just the tightest. Uh, and it had the Johan's face thing. I looked into it, and yeah, Capital pretty shortly thereafter, like bought it and re-released it so it could get into like chain stores and shit Mm -hmm. but they only did one record for capital proper and that we can get into but that was a whole uh catastrophe on multiple levels Um, yeah um so smoking popes i think are they're an interesting case um you know in that they were pretty inspirational to a lot of chicago at that time but when we're talking specifically about the alkaline trio and we want to get like into the weeds with the smoking popes are from crystal lake originally which Mm -hmm. we know is uh where the the old alkaline trio font was discovered Mm -hmm. also matt and glenn are from crystal lake and then the neighboring mchenry uh I guess not respectively. What's the opposite of respectively? Just because irrespectively. Yeah, irrespectively. Uh, and Dan is from Elgin and the Smoking Popes. I'm not sure what the connection is with like Elgin and Carpentersville, but it's definitely very tight. And then the Elgin yeah. community is kind of where a lot of shit started up, especially uh, down the line with slapstick. Mm hmm. And I think part of that, to draw it out a little bit, is I feel like a lot of the like 
a lot of the people who, if you're in the Alkaline Trio, you've maybe heard of or like kind of also also rands. I'm using air quotes because they're good bands on their own. But I think like that's where people from Colossal kind of came from. Mm-hmm. Slapstick was from like, I think, you know, one of the things that I think people kind of forget about, especially in terms of like late 80s, early 90s, is that like punk and underground independent music wasn't really happening within the city um, mm. in the scale we think of most of that had to happen in clubs, like legitimately. Mm-hmm. So like, unless you were a naked ray gun who could play like the Metro or the Riviera, or you were like a metal band playing Medusas, like you didn't have a lot of options really mm-hmm. to play. And it wasn't until the nineties that like that started to change a little bit with places like was it the crawl space that was like just South of Wrigley. Like the third floor was in Elgin, but you know, people were going to, what was it, Dirty Nellie's and Palatine, and there was mm-hmm. McGregor's and Elmhurst, and there was Off the Alley and Homewood. And that's kind of where a lot of, you know, big shows happen. Like, the fact that, like, Jawbreaker played Off the Alley, I don't think they ever played the Fireside, but I think they played outside of the city of Chicago, probably more than they played inside the city of Chicago, kind of tells you what the general space was like for that. The fact that, like, Green Day was playing McGregor's, in like 92 on like Kerplunk, you know, like mm-hmm. all these things were kind of happening in the outer surrounding suburbs. So I think that community just like of the kids there who were going to these shows and booking these shows kind of became the, the people in the scene, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is funny to think about because by like 94, 95, once the fireside starts kind of almost all of that dries up pretty quickly. Yeah, totally. Fireside really just like consolidates everything, and the fact that they're doing shows like every night or really two a night. That. Yeah, um, but I I'd say that there's uh, one could probably speculate that when a band like Green Day releases a record like Dookie, suddenly a band like the Smoking Popes, who are pop punk adjacent, mm-hmm. although very strange totally get picked up by places like capital who are i mean this is this is the 90s this is we we just had the grunge wave every alternative rock band in the history of the world gets signed to a major label contract and then we get another form of that after green day um who you know just changes the flavor a little bit and the thing about it though is that I think that there are so many examples of like that scenario happening where you look back and you say, what the fuck were they thinking, thinking that this was going to be a band that sells a hundred thousand CDs. And that's a low number back then too. A hundred thousand CDs is like nothing. Today you're, you, if you sold physically a hundred thousand copies in week one, you are guaranteed to be number one on the Billboard chart. Number one, number one, and it's funny because I was I was talking about that thing recently, and I, I we don't need to go off on my whole theory about the whole thing because I, I kind of connected some dots that I was like, oh, this kind of makes sense, and I never really considered it before. But we'll save that for another podcast, um, maybe a Patreon. Who knows? Um, but it is weird because, like, I've always felt like the two bands that kind of feel parallel to me in that whole thing mm. are the Smoking Popes and Sam I Am, 
who mm. to me are kind of like basically first wave for their scene. You know, Sam, mm-hmm. I am being really early in that kind of Gilman Bay area stuff. Um, and like having several records out by that point and then getting picked up for one record. That's like good, but get dropped immediately. And it kind of fucks them up for a while because I mean, yeah. not to, not to cast aspersions, they're not traditionally handsome or like in the way that like like they didn't have the aesthetic of Green Day. You oh, know, no, they they were just kind of every man type of dudes uh-huh. with like bald singers. Like, you know, they just they didn't have an aesthetic that could be easily sold. Mm-hmm. Even though I think those like, like the music on those records is like whole like, you know, measures up with the other stuff that maybe got a little more popular. Totally. Totally. So off my mind is a song from the Smoking Post first record or first LP, Get Fired. It's a pretty good insight, I'd say, into the band at that time where mm-hmm. you have kind of a strange opening um, vocal of just, yeah, that baby, I'd hang out with you all the time if I didn't have to work. Um, and then into like a fucking weirdo, like foxy lady, a Jace yes. little bit, but then all this open space. And when you hear Josh sing it, he's, he's got such a power to his voice and you don't exactly need the one and one of Dan Andriano singing this song to know that damn, there's a guy who's singing in a punk band who doesn't sound like a punk singer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Josh is very much that. I mean, he's got a higher voice. It's a lot cleaner. Um, And I think, you know, calling out those lyrics is perfect because their early stuff is fucking weird lyrically. Like, it Mm -hmm. would be shocking to me if Matt Skiba wasn't pulling from this. Like, Brand New Hairstyle, Sandra, this. Like, there's just, there's a bunch of songs where it's like, these are really strange things mm-hmm. to be singing about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even on the record after this, Born to Quit, like songs like Rubella, like, which is about a disease, you know, that he's yeah, making yeah, this yeah. fun little, like, love ditty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smoking Popes are a band that I think their songs should be called ditties. That's the vibe of the Smoking Popes to me. Um, but They're tunes yeah. and ditties. Yeah, exactly. They don't have riffs. They have licks. Mm-hmm. You know, they're one of those type of bands. Um, but I mean, I think if you've never heard them, like if you heard the Alkaline Trio cover of it, it's like, oh yeah, like clearly. And I think Mm -hmm. listening back to it, it's just really interesting to me because the thing that really sticks out on this song, in my opinion, it's how much the drumming to this song is like what Glenn was going for with 97 Mm -hmm. and like a lot of their kind of slower songs that kind of mirror this and it's just funny because mike flumley many years later would go on to say that he thinks like he would never write the parts that glenn wrote because it's like overplaying but you see a little bit of that here you see a little Mm -hmm. bit of young mike who's willing to push the dial a little bit and Mm -hmm. it really shows that like he can be really tasteful and he's not like doing super crazy fills but it's just 
putting a lot of stuff in there that f- makes a lot of sense, but I don't think is the intuitive move. And I think mm-hmm. that's when Mike Flumley is at his best. Yo, absolutely. Mike Flumley is like drumming too. Is it? It makes me wish that rock and roll had a little bit more of you know just like just the way that jazz works where it's just different players playing together um like i would love to hear mike philemley just as a sessions musician mm-hmm. just doing a lot of different things cuz i don't know i think that he he's been he's he's a very good like punk adjacent drummer i would love to hear him like do more but yeah you know, like think... we've said the sorry the um from here to infirmary songs that he's best on are definitely like in the pocket of the smoking pope's pace which is just a little bit dialed back in comparison 100 percent. i mean we've talked about you know song like steamer trunk a song like steamer trunk a song like trucks and trains i mean a song like crawl like he excels in all of those situations to mm-hmm. a degree where it's like man like you are so perfect at mid-tempo punk like you mm-hmm. just he's he's really the best at it it's when the the tempos get a little higher that i think it, it's not what he's built for or seems to like to do he can do it but i think his personality and creative creativity shines in those spaces yeah and totally i do want to pick up one of your points of like i wish rock could do that where it's like oh mike flumley is going to be on this or do this project and that everything wasn't like super group you know like people could just fucking play music together and make a thing and that's fine and it's not like zwan you know like it, it can just be more about the making of the thing than it being treated like a fucking band but it's a different point just anyway threw up in my mouth a little bit at the mention of zwan yeah i mean how could you not the only band in the history of music that I'm aware of that thought it would be beneficial to record all the guitar chords one single note at a time, single string at a time, and then layer them together. There was no noticeable difference in that uh, approach. Fucking unbelievable. Um, so let's let's jump ahead for a minute to that major label record for the Smoking Popes called mm-hmm. Destination Failure. What mm-hmm. an apt title. Uh, for those who don't know this record, um, I feel like this is a real fan favorite one. Like I would say it's most people's favorite, probably mm-hmm. I think deservingly. So personally, oh, I don't know about that. I think born to quit is, is more the favorite, but I mean, I feel like it's one of the two. I feel like mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who live destination failure. My complaint with it, like some, so many records is it could Shave off a little bit of time. It's so long. It's like 16 songs. Yeah, it's just of that era where it's like, it's hard to make a great 16-song album, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it has some of their most iconic songs, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Pretty pathetic. But it, Megan, sorry. No, just go ahead. I mean, Megan, way. another one, uh, covered by Bayside fucking forever, and, and I think still to this day. Um, yeah, they did do that. That was a weird thing. That's yeah. probably. Hmm, I, I'm not gonna go. I'd say Megan is a top three Smoking Pope song for me. Um, and I, it's and up I, there. I remember seeing him, and he he said, "I I wrote this while sitting at the Crystal Lake uh, train station." I said, "I know that train station." Oh wow. Um, 
but yes, continue. So, born to quit, or not born to quit, destination failure. Uh-huh. Uh, they, I think this was one of those where they made the record. Their label was like, "We don't hear a hit. Go back and write more." And I imagine that kind of contributes to why it's 16 songs long is because it was just like, here's fucking everything we did over the course mm-hmm. of 18 months. And then it finally mm-hmm. came out, but kind of just landed with a flop, didn't get a lot of promotion. And <laughs> I mean, it's hard because I think the the best songs on it are kind of the ballads. Pretty Pathetic and Megan are both really up there. But I mean, there's great stuff. There's No More Smiles. There's all these great songs, but... By that point, we're talking about was ninety eight. Is that uh, correct? Ninety seven. Destination Failure came out, and, and I, I think that they broke up in ninety nine. Yeah, the marketplace was shifting a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and I don't think that style of punk was. I mean, we we were moving into the kind of like partially new metal, but partially like Creed era. Like, I mean, we were just, oh, yeah. uh, you know, mm-hmm. Green Day was not selling the 10 million records they were selling on Dookie. They were still selling a lot of fucking records, but they yeah. weren't selling that many. You know? and, and I it, think what, that, like, what what the Smoking Pups weren't is that they weren't Blink-182. I think Blink-182 yeah. was just, like, that was finally the, the band that had the right identity and the right just everything. And I think the Smoking Pups were very, very off, but like a sliver was inside of the range. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that record kind of broke them up. They eventually reformed in the 2000s. They've put out a handful of records since. Uh, They're now back with Flumley's back in the band. They released a record with him on it. Um, So, yeah, that is basically an abridged Smoking Pope's history. Um Sorry to interject because you did a great job, but you mm-hmm. forgot like really the the one person who actually did I think break up the Smoking Pope's the first time. His name is Jesus. <sighs> yeah, um, I've talked about it before. I like the Smoking Pope's a lot, and I will fucking vouch for that early stuff. But I also hate the Lord. And this guy sings about the Lord as if they are like, not like they don't love each other, but like they're deeply in love with each other. Well, he knows that the Lord loves him. Yeah. It's just, it's a little odd to me. Um, And it was one of those things when I learned like, oh, a lot of these, what I thought were great love songs were about his relationship with Christ that I was a little like, well, that's a bit of a bummer. But that is ultimately what broke the band up because Josh Cater, lead singer, main songwriter, found Jesus. And uh, he didn't want to sing secular tunes anymore. Yeah, and so they started Duval, which actually, Duval's a good band. It's just... It, yeah. Um, I think that Josh... I don't think Josh could write a bad song. If he well, I haven't listened to some... <laughs> you haven't listened to Jackson Mud, his blues band. Oh no! Yeah. Okay, so I think that what's the the thing about the Smoking Pups is that they get to a point where it's just like kind of like watching your uncle's band play. Yeah, 
Um, and I debated telling this story, but I saw the Smoking Popes play at the Taste of Crystal Lake, uh, which is Crystal Lake's, like, you know, summer county fair deal. It was on the 4th of July, and they did Brand New Hairstyle as the last song, and what they will do a lot when they play that song, especially, like, late in the set, is they'll just kind of go and extend it. They'll do, like, you know, kind of like the dead does. Mm -hmm. Um, And in between uh, the start of Brand New Hairstyle and the conclusion of Brand New Hairstyle, they played uh star spangled banner who baby and Don't i've also I, I i've also seen um when i saw big stars third the performance of that josh sang the song jesus christ and if you've ever been to a catholic mass you know the you know the routine where the the singer uh you know, sings the kind of chorus line for everyone. And when it's everybody's time to sing along, they put one arm in the air. Mm-hmm. So that was like, all right. Ugh. But all that being said, uh, Get Fired is my favorite Smoking Popes album. And their early shit, the weirdest shit, is always been my favorite. Partially because mm-hmm. it's like what I heard first, but... um yeah, I think that they were just a cool band. They were a cool, super unique band doing something that nobody else really was, even if yeah. it's like in the pop punk adjacent world, like the way Josh sang. The songs like structurally are pretty interesting. If mm-hmm. y'all want to like learn some cool chords, yep. would definitely recommend just ultimateguitar.com yeah i mean <laughs> i mean it's true and i think i think you kind of hit on something is i remember when they reunited to that first show back at the metro it was such a big deal they put mm-hmm. I think victory records put out the live cd dvd thing of it yep. which is weird in retrospect very um, cool artwork too by uh jay ryan yeah love that and mm-hmm. that full poster of that is so tight mm-hmm. um but yeah, I mean, they're one of those bands that reunited like basically 15 years ago, and there there was a big deal when they did, and yeah. it's kind of slowly. I mean, it's unfortunate it slowly petered out. I still think their material holds up. I do think their new records are not bad, but I don't listen to them. Like I, mm-hmm. I think you know, if you're someone getting into them, you probably wouldn't feel the way that maybe Tim and I do about them. But he also made a concept record about being in high school. In like 2009? Yeah, nobody needs that. Little weird. Um, So you may be asking yourself at this point, why have they not talked about the Alcorn Trio cover? And that reason is because it's so faithful to the original. Like, I mean, it's aside from, I think it's a slightly slower than the recorded version up top. Mm -hmm. Slightly. Mm -hmm. And Dan puts the emphasis on some different words here and there. He puts the emphasis on all the places that Josh doesn't, which I think is always like the best move when you mm-hmm. have a cover of a song that's been like, you know, 
I'd say the fuck has been sung out of that song in its yes. original. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know, if if Dan was going to attempt to do that, he probably could, but giving it like different emphasis is I think a cool thing for anybody who's listening to it who knows the original. It's also like I think mad respectful mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. of the song and its original form and its original singer. Yes. Yeah. And I think they, it's that rare case of like, this is a very straight ahead faithful cover that I also think is worth existing. And I think Mm -hmm. it's for that reason is I think Mm he, he's almost pulling a different reading from the song, you know? Mm -hmm. And just, yeah, if you listen to them back to back, you'll kind of see what we mean about like where Josh is really hitting it. And Josh really hits it in spots. Like he's really going for it. And it's proof of him being a really good fucking singer in mm-hmm. this type of band. And you can just see how influential he is on someone like Dan in general. Like their voices really meld. And, you know, on that seven inch, the other side was Smoking Popes doing Blue Carolina, which like, again, makes... Mm-hmm perfect sense mm-hmm. uh so if you've not heard those um you know you can pull them up on youtube like they're definitely worth hearing but like yeah it's just this is one of those covers where it's not like their halloween cover where they are really deconstructing it's not the tsol cover which is like again faithful but i think matt's trying to put himself in the shoes of you know that band at that time mm-hmm. this is just like a very like I have loved this song for 15 fucking years and now I'm going to sing it. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of a cool vibe. Definitely. What do you rate it? I'm going to give the cover of four and an original, the, the original a four and a half, because I feel like, I feel like it's got a little extra. Mm hmm. I, I'm going to copy you on that one. That's very good. Um, Yeah fucking fantastic track a great like if you like this song you'll probably like the smoking popes um if you're if you're wondering just where do i start um i i'm gonna be honest i never really recommend this but the live 1998 is such a good fucking uh, live record it's one of my favorites ever um and that was where that's how i heard all of the like post uh get fired material was through mm-hmm. that and i still prefer a lot of those versions over the originals i mean i think there's with that one in particular the songs just have a when they have just like they speed up the beat per minute like one or two mm-hmm. on some of those live ones and it just it feels right like the mm-hmm. the thing about smoking popes material that I think makes it infinitely coverable, like this or Megan or whatever, is that you can really slow it down or speed it up kind of to your preference and it works. And I think when they do that on that live record, it really makes some of them pop even more. Um so yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean when when a live record essentially serves as a greatest hits for a certain period of time of a band. Mm-hmm. fucking go for it and i think you know what i always did with with shit like that is if i got the live record first for availability reasons or trying to figure out where to dip in like 
then just figure out what songs you like best, what records those are on, and then try those. But basically anything from the first era, you're not going to, well, say for the covers record right when they broke up, you're mm-hmm. not really going to dislike. Totally. Totally. Uh, yeah. Y'all got, y'all got homework to do. Um, especially, especially if you're writing songs, uh, you'll, you'll learn some cool c- chords and you'll, you'll, I don't know. I think I, I've gained so much appreciation for that band who plays a lot of songs that sound like four chord pop punk songs, but there's really like 13 chords in, in those songs. Very subtly, very mm-hmm. subtly. And I think, you know, I've mentioned it earlier. I think they do the ballad mode exceptionally well like megan mm. being one on the shoulder is one of my all-time favorite smoking pope songs mm. fucking incredible closer mm-hmm. pretty pathetic's great mm-hmm. like you can really when they get into that vibe i think they're really exceptional at it the live version of stars too yeah like, it's like two and a half times as long as the original mm-hmm so, hey, this is our podcast. It's called As You Were, a podcast about the Smoking Popes. Every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song, which is weird. We should probably do something about that title. Um, but, hey, uh, we're here doing it because we like to and because we like getting to spend some time together. And, damn, I uh, have so much fun doing this with you, David. Likewise, buddy. And we are going to come back and do it again next week. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. We talk a little bit in long form over there. This is actually this type of thing that we talked about today. If you like when we do these things, we do them on Patreon. And I think that they're as enjoyable as it gets. I agree. I think people. I got a lot of positive messages about the little game we played recently. People seem to really enjoy it. Why do they, why do they always message you? No one messages. Because I respond to them. That's true. Yeah, that's the difference between you and me. I hope I if I if I haven't just know because uh, it's it's because I'm fucking anxious person and i never know what to say to anybody ever that's why i talk to my friend david david every week he fills the void of about six other people all into one he's my best friend he's my buddy he's my podcasting partner and uh i can't wait to talk to you again next week my dude likewise baby and we'll actually talk about alkaline trio song oh yeah chosen by our patrons chosen by our patrons patreon.com slash as you were see you next week bye just great just a great